people think money has to come from somewhere, like uh, hydroelectric power or lumber or iron, and it doesn't. Money is something we invent, like inches. Inflation at a 40-year high. The highest inflation in 41 years. Higher than expected Japanese inflation. Inflation is high. Many Americans... Inflation in the United Kingdom has surged. Of people having trouble feeding their families. Inflation in the countries that use the euro has hit Peru. Inflation has surpassed expectations right across different Latin American countries. The central banks control our governments. It does not work the other way around. I don't think the fundamental problem is that people don't have enough money. Money is a circulation of information, and in itself has no value. I think the fundamental problem is that if they're not provided with a place where they can accept social and individual responsibility in an honorable manner, they degenerate and die. The economy hasn't recovered, but banks have. Federal Reserve is an independent agency. Today's topic is about money, another game within the game of life. If you look at the definition of money, you'll find in the dictionary that money is a current medium of exchange in the form of coins and banknotes. Fair enough, but if you really want to know extensively about it, that definition won't do. Money is much more than that. It is a complicated tool that we should know how to use and not get used by it or those who control it. Welcome to Astra Podcast, Beyond Possibilities. This is episode 8, Money. I'm Joy and I'm just a regular guy who doesn't know much about economics or hedge funds and all these things. I'm just a messenger. And I'll give you my opinion. And remember, that's all it is, my own opinion. But hopefully this information will encourage you to formulate your own opinions and ideas. So, money. Mike Maloney, former Rich Dad Poor Dad advisor, said, quote, There is no nation on this planet that currently uses money. We all use currency. Unquote. And why does he say that? Because what you call money, which is issued by the banks, is not backed by anything other than the promise that it is valuable, because someone will work to earn it. Before that, it was backed by gold or silver or any other physical commodity, but right now, it is a fiat currency, meaning that it is backed by debt. We're all slaves of an economic system backed by assets that don't exist yet. Let's start with a bit of history about money. The history. The history. Thousands of years ago, small societies used different forms of exchange. Some of them exchanged the goods and services for other commodities and other services. And some used shells, seeds, salt, pretty stones, and even feathers as a form of money. Gold and silver were pretty and easy to work with. They were valuable. The goldsmith started to create coins which were easier to standardize and carry around. If you had a lot of these coins, you needed to protect them and keep them in a safe place. So the goldsmith used a vault to hold the gold there, a well-protected and safe place. Many wanted to rent a space in the vault to save their own gold coins and valuables. In exchange, they got a piece of paper or several pieces of paper detailing the amount of gold and valuable goods they had. A check. Many years later, the goldsmith realized that people rarely returned to get their gold back because they were using the claim checks in the market as if it was the actual gold. 
because it was easier to make transactions this way instead of carrying heavy coins around and counting them one by one. People started to accept this way of transactions using only the checks. So they started to ask for loans not in gold but in the paper checks. So the goldsmith realized that if they could lend the money that belonged to others on top of what they already owned, they could multiply their profits even more. After a while, some people started to suspect and they asked for a percentage of those transactions, which is what we know today as an interest rate for your saving accounts. At this point, the goldsmith had an even crazier idea. This time, they could create checks of gold that doesn't even exist. After all, people will know about this because they rarely claim their gold back. But after many years, people started to suspect the impressive wealth the goldsmith was exhibiting. Days later, several wealthy depositors showed up to claim their gold back and the bank was out of gold and couldn't return all the gold to everyone, since the amount of checks in circulation was greater than the real gold that existed in the vaults. A crisis began, and as always, the poor were the most affected ones. This story is called The Goldsmith's Tale, and it is used to represent the way the banks came into existence and how they really operated. Today, and since 1971, when the President of the United States, Richard Nixon, unlinked the gold from the dollar, we started using a similar system. But this time, it is completely legal and regulated. It is said that this system stimulates the trading and the economy in general. And on a personal note, I would say it also stimulates the corruption, slavery, and the funneling of resources from the people to the corporations and banks. Today we use fiat currency, a type of money that is not based or backed on any physical commodity or global public decentralized credit system, but it's backed by the promise of a government and how much the people believe in it. This is how it works. Today money is created when you ask for a loan. So basically money is debt. Some like to say that it is created from thin air, but it has to follow some rules. First of all, if the bank has $1,000 as the initial deposit, the central bank allows it to multiply it by a ratio of 9 to 1. So it is able to lend to people up to $9,000, even though they really have only $1,000. The people who get the loan then have to repay it plus the additional interest. And this is where it goes off the charts crazy, because that means that these people will have to get the money from someone else who's probably using the same artificially created money, so they could repay the loan and the interest on the money that didn't exist in the first place. And here is where slavery begins, because people will have to compete against one another to get the money they need to pay their debts to the powerful banks. So if you were told that money is scarce and you should work hard to earn it, it is not entirely true. Same when you hear the saying, Money runs the world. The truth is that people runs the world. The work we put out, the services we do and the products we create is what runs the world, not the money, and not the governments. It is and it has always been the people. Just like this podcast, the only reason I continue to produce these episodes is because you, the people, support their creation in one way or another. We collectively run the world. If not, we can send others to do it. This article from Forbes, written by Francis Coppola, tells us how money is created. Quote, The rules of double-entry accounting dictate that when banks create a new loan asset, they must also create an equal and opposite liability in the form of a new demand deposit. This demand deposit, like all other customers' deposits, is included in the central bank's measures of broad money. 
In this sense, therefore, when banks lend they create money, it is fully backed by a new asset, a loan, unquote. In another section, it reads, quote, it is of course possible for banks to lend more than the population can realistically afford, unquote. Dirty money, dirty money, dirty money. Our society is sick about money. It is a fact that some people will value the money they can earn more than the time they can spend with family and friends. Our perception has been distorted. We choose to do things we don't like and even things we hate just to make money. And we spend years, decades, and entire lives doing something we hate in exchange for numbers in our bank account. It's even more shocking to think about some people feeling better when having money in their bank account, but feeling bad when they spend it buying groceries or any other essential goods, when in reality it should be the other way around. I mean, think about it. If you were in a desert island, would you feel safer by having a lot of money in your bank account or cash in hand? Or if you had a lot of food, tools and clothing to survive, and maybe some company to create meaningful relationships to keep your sanity? I know that several points will come up here with what I said. One, we don't live in a desert island, so it is a different dynamic. Two, we don't have any problem when buying essential needs. The problem is when these are more expensive every year or even every month. Three, some people will say that they do jobs they hate because they don't have a choice. And four, spending long hours at work is not their decision. That's just the way it is. Besides, people need to make the money to pay their debts. Those arguments are completely valid from the common point of view, which is normally fear. The fear of not being able to pay my debts, to provide for my family, to lose the opportunity of success, etc. The system has been created to separate rather than to unite, to create scarcity rather than abundance, to make hoarders fight and to accumulate more even if they don't need it, and when we collectively realize that this is all possible because we consented, we might wake up one day and see everything clearly. But this takes time. For now, in an individual level, this means that things are going to be the same unless you really want to change your situation and really do your homework to change your reality. If the majority of us do our homework at the same time, this will be reflected collectively. But for this, we need to learn. We need information and to avoid ignorance. We need to evolve. First of all, by focusing, avoiding distractions from reality, and then by understanding that we are all one. The journalist Emil Gavrao once said, quote, I was part of a strange race of people aptly described as spending their lives doing things they detest, to make money they don't want, to buy things they don't need, to impress people they dislike, unquote. And to me, that summarizes what most of us do with our short lives. The pursuit of money, the fake happiness, the one that looks good and desirable to the eye but feels empty to the heart. And I don't want to get the wrong idea across. Money is a tool. If used well, it can do amazing things. If you know how to play in the game, you can do well. Unfortunately, the game is rigged in a way that is very difficult for the vast majority of us to really do well. The facts, the about, facts money. about money. Facts. Facts.
If we talk about facts, let's consider that a tiny percentage of people, roughly one percent, holds almost half of the world's wealth. These are private individuals, not companies, who have enough money to live decently for hundreds of lifetimes over. There is a chart of this fact made by VisualCapitalist.com, showing the wealth distribution. The link is in the show notes. If we were talking about companies, which are separate legal entities, that's a different story. But I wonder, as an individual, why would you need such a massive amount of money, even if they bought really expensive houses, cars, jets, and don't work for their entire life and do the same thing for every member of the family for five generations? They will still have money left over. I understand that not everyone has the same IQ or is not smart enough for certain jobs. But in most cases, not everyone reaches the best potential they can because they didn't have the same opportunities that others did to begin with, like good nutrition, education, a loving and stable home. Yet it is being demonstrated that it is not an excuse. Some genius people rise from the poorest and most hostile places and/or situations, but to me, they are the exception. For those who are not born to be the exception, what happens to them? You see, money is intertwined in all of these problems. Instead of solving them, it actually makes it worse and gets in the way. Normally, tools are made to help, not to get in the way. So maybe today's economic system is not the right tool for humanity, but the perfect tool of enslavement to benefit the powerful minority. My point of view. My point of view. I have to say, I'm a regular guy. Just like you, I want to have enough money to be able to buy a house and never pay rent or a mortgage again, to go on vacations and never worry about blowing over the budget, to pay the bills comfortably, and that if I lose my job, I have enough money to provide for my family for about a year. And if I want to find another job, I could do it without a rush, just to make sure I find something that I really enjoy. Just like a regular guy, lucky enough to have access to a computer, internet, and have some savings, I've invested in cryptocurrencies and I've gained and then lost a lot of money. I've been greedy. I want to be a millionaire. I've failed in entrepreneurial business projects and pretty much all the same things an average person does. But then I think, really? Am I going to spend my whole life doing this just because I want a token to be able to exchange it for something else? Am I going to spend my whole life playing a giant and more complicated version of Monopoly? Is that it? Is that my whole mission in this planet? I mean, surely money is part of our lives. But when I see people committing horrendous acts just because they want money, countries being destroyed economically by authoritarian governments and their brainwashing ideas, and the destruction of the whole planet by the corporations who only seek profits and more power, I realize that this is not right. I'm going to tell you a personal story. I've experienced what it feels like to have no money, and to sometimes struggle a bit to even find basic supplies, like cooking gas for the stove due to shortages. See, I was born in Venezuela. You may have heard of this country before because it is the country with the highest inflation in the world, with an inflation rate of 1,198% as of January 2022. In comparison, Sudan was the second one with an inflation rate of 340% during the same period. But when I left the country, things weren't so bad yet. But they were already bad enough that I thought it was enough for me. So I left the country in 2014, just in time because things got worse, literally more than 10 times worse. 
When people from other countries ask me about the situation in Venezuela, I try my best to explain it, to find that even if I was very articulated, there was no way foreigners would understand what the Venezuelan people has to go through in that authoritarian government. Even the little things you can take for granted and you don't even think about, in Venezuela was a problem. I remember waiting in line for up to one hour to do a simple transaction in the bank. I remember selling my camera to be able to fix the family car. And in two months, when I managed to save up the same amount of money of the price of that camera, something I achieved because I had two jobs, the same second-hand camera was twice the price. The point of all this is to say that I know what it is and what it feels like to live in a place with hyperinflation. A really bad situation. Insanity. The world is lost in the delusional idea of economic power. It is said that money is a representation of energy, a credit system that allows people to trade services and goods more easily. In my opinion, it is a centralized system of points, easy to corrupt and manipulate by the central banks and corporations. And we are all already corrupted. We have lost the ability to distinguish money from wealth. The ones who benefit the most from this system is the elite. The same ones who profit from wars, drugs, and massive crises. Listen to this excerpt from a speech of Alan Watts regarding money, explaining what money is from his point of view. It's important to understand this about money. A lot of people don't know it. Money is a measure of wealth. Money is not wealth. Money is like inches. Dollars, let's say, are like inches. They are a way of measuring real wealth, which consists of material resources plus energy plus intelligence. This has to do with what I explained earlier about how people is confused with the idea of wealth. As Alan Watts explains, wealth is what creates money. Where there is wealth, there can be real money. It is not the other way around. You better take with you a lot of good resources and people with great minds to a desert island than a bunch of money. With the first one, you can create wealth. Impossible with the second one. Money is something we invent, like inches. So you remember the Great Depression, when uh, there was a slump? And what did we have a slump of? Money. There was no less wealth, no less energy, no less raw materials than there were before, but it's like you came to build, work on building a house one day, and they said, sorry, you can't build this house today, no inches. What do you mean, no inches? Ah, just inches. We don't mean uh, we got inches of lumber, yes, we've got um, inches of metal, we've even got tape measures. But there's a slump in inches as such, you see? And people are that crazy. They, they can have a depression uh, because they've got, got no inches to go around, or, or, or no dollars. <laughs> That's all a lot of nonsense. Here Alan Watts refers to the Great Depression during the 30s, and as he said, everywhere in the world there was the same amount of wealth and energy but something happened to the economic system that made it crash, and people just stopped because of money, which is insane. His analogy of someone trying to build a house but someone else stopped that person because there are no inches is brilliant and as insane as the Great Depression itself. I have a couple of questions for you. Do you like your job? And if money didn't exist, what would you be doing right now? The first question is a bit tricky, because maybe you feel secure at your present job, you earn well, and you have enough benefits, and your job might be even easy to do, so you are very comfortable in your job. But, do you see yourself doing this the rest of your life? 
In your last days of life, would you feel that you did something valuable for the life of other people around you, even if it's something minuscule? The truth is that it might be a very difficult answer because some people might have a simple life and some others might have a difficult life. For example, you might have a job you hate, but you need that job to provide for your family. Maybe you have kids, a wife, or a husband, or someone who depends on you, and you really need the job regarding it is bad or good for you or for everyone around you. And that's why it becomes really, really difficult. So if you're not in a critical situation like this one, you can consider yourself extremely lucky. But at the same time, it shouldn't be normal. Because someone is profiting out of that crisis. Most likely, a bank. I know of stories of bankers and people in great positions with very successful careers that realized that it wasn't their call and turned into a simplistic way of life. In one case, a banker changed his career to be a gardener. The point here is that if you're not making everyone's life easier, at least don't make it more difficult and enjoy your own life. Imagine a world where there was no money. How would society restructure about it? Instead of a society full of corporations destroying the planet in pursuit of maximizing profits, we would have communities maximizing human evolution. Some people may ask, how would I be able to buy stuff? The answer is, you won't need to buy anything. Most things will be provided to you as you will also provide your products and services to others in exchange. And others would say, but this would be impossible. And right now that's what it seems like. Just like many other things were believed to be impossible in the past, and now they are as common as they can get. The problem of money creates a domino effect that echoes throughout society in many aspects of our lives. This episode only scratches the surface of an ongoing system that has been perfected for a couple of thousands of years. For now, cryptocurrencies seem to be the hope for a new economic era, but those in power won't give up easily, and they will exploit the vulnerabilities of cryptocurrencies to be ahead of the game. Fiat currency and traditional banking will keep their ground as long as we keep asleep. My advice is that you find your passion, develop it, but also be open to work on things you don't like. Make it temporary, and whatever you earn, make sure to earn it honestly, not by deceiving or harming others. But I wouldn't mind if you steal money from a bank. I'm not saying it's a good thing or that I encourage it, I'm just saying that I don't care if they lose money. After all, all that money doesn't exist. Unemployment. Talking about jobs, money, banks, and society, I have to mention a video I saw many years ago on YouTube from a channel called XKCD Hat Guy. At the time, the creator of that channel was a teenager. His most famous video is called Fourth Dimension Explained by a High School Student, currently with 31 million views. Among other videos, he made a video titled There is no unemployment crisis. I saw it and I thought that the idea he exposed in simple words was eye-opening. Here's what he said. So imagine if in a small society, uh, maybe 100, 200 people, uh, they were all growing their own food, completely independent, uh, didn't drive anywhere or anything, just completely on their own and self-sustaining. And someone in this society invents some technology that makes it so that only half as much work is needed to be done to um, feed everyone. 
say he invents the, the plow or some kind of farming technology, do, do they then say once less work needs to be done that there is an unemployment crisis? No, they suddenly have much more free time and they can use that free time to do whatever they want. They don't need to be farming anymore. And we're kind of like that, you know, just on a much larger scale. But it's like someone said that this is a problem. <laughs> uh, we need to have everyone working all the time because otherwise how will we know that you're uh, contributing to, to, uh, to the village? So, <laughs> it makes unemployment a bad thing instead of a good thing. It makes it so that everyone's in debt and there's no money to pay it off. So at this point, a lot of people start asking, what, give everyone a handout and just uh, let everyone be lazy? I say, no, don't do that. Just reduce the amount of hours that people work. Pay people more so that they don't have to be working all the time. When I saw this video and the simplicity of it, I thought to myself, of course, that's what's wrong with this society. That's why we are always working and working and working and there's never enough money to pay our debts. Because when he says this... But it's like someone said that this is a problem. Uh, we need to have everyone working all the time. I realized that that someone is the governments and the banks. Because the only way they make profits is that you owe money to the bank, or when you work, they collect their taxes. Even if you don't work, but you buy something, you pay the value-added tax. Just check your receipt, and you will see that you are paying taxes, all the time. Contributing with taxes is not the problem. The problem is the disproportionate amount of taxes we have to pay. Where I live, I've calculated that by having an average job, every year I have to pay the equivalent of three months worth of my salary only on my personal taxes. If we add the VAT or value-added tax we pay every time we buy something, this will add up to about six months worth of work just to pay taxes. Putting this into perspective, imagine going to work for six months and not getting paid. After those six months, your payment will resume and that repeats every year. Do you see how bad this is now? One of the reasons we don't use technology to replace people at simple jobs is because they need people to produce tax money. It is insane. The solution. The solution, the solution is not a simple one, but neither is money as we know it today. The current system has proven to fail the vast majority of the human population. One would normally think that the solution to the common problems is money, and most of the time it will create a temporary fake solution, but down the line it harms even more. Just like Jordan Peterson say in the clip I've added in the beginning of this episode. I don't think the fundamental problem is that people don't have enough money. money. I think the fundamental problem is that if they're not provided with a place where they can accept social and individual responsibility in an honorable manner, they degenerate and die. If you give some money to the poor, it will help them a bit. But if you give them a lot of money, contrary to the belief that it will solve all their problems, the crisis will worsen even more. You can destroy local economies, people will lose the sense of responsibility and function, and people will become greedy and things will explode in a bad way. What people really need is wealth, not money. And the wealth can be found inside each of us. 
or constructive ideas, love, passion, sharing information. That is all wealth as well, and it can be multiplied by teaching others. Once most of us understand that wealth comes from our minds and hearts, the physical reality has no choice but to also become the equivalent. If people is hungry, they don't need fish. What they need is to learn how to fish. Value. Even though money has inherent problems, we can still get smart on how to use it. If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Learn how to play the game and turn the rat race into an enjoyable experience. For this, there are several things you need to care about. The two main ones are production and consumption. Many gurus will teach you how to cut expenses, how to avoid using your credit card or buying things you don't honestly need. This is one way to balance your economy, but many won't tell you how to produce, because it is a bit harder. When I mention the production of money, many of you will imagine a way to obtain paper money or watch the numbers in the bank account go up in any possible way. Some of you really don't even care where that money comes from as long as it gets to you. The easier it is, the better. Like winning the lottery. If you have that mindset, you have missed the point all this time. When I talk about producing money, I'm talking about creating value for others. Things that are valuable are solving problems, helping others, doing something other people don't want to, don't know how to or can do, creating art and beauty, creating products that really make people's life easier is also valuable, sharing information is valuable, creating happiness is valuable. Things that are not valuable are creating products and providing services that cause more problems, sharing distorted or fake information, selling fraudulent products and services, middlemen that take disproportionate cuts, and the list can go on. What about drugs, alcohol, porn, prostitution, and drugs? Those are also products and services that many people can find valuable for many numbers of reasons. Some may have to be regulated in some way or another due to their nature, but other than that, they should not be criminalized or banned completely. The easiest way to create value is to do things for others. For example, work for a company and do the task they ask you to do. That's called a job. But there are literally millions of different ways to produce value, which in turn will produce money. There are so many other concepts that we won't talk about in this episode, like the global basic income, societies living without money, how our taxes are used, and many more. But hopefully this episode has implanted the seed of curiosity in you. Ask yourself how much time of your life you spend at work. Even if it's a job that you do from home, do you like what you do? Will money really solve all your problems? Do you associate success with money? Today's recommendation are the books Rich Dad Poor Dad and The Millionaire Next Door. They'll teach you what you need to know to navigate this current economic system. I also just recently stumbled upon a book that I cannot recommend yet because I haven't read, but it looks promising. It's called Utopia for Realist by Roger Bregman. Apparently, it talks about how the basic income can become a reality very soon. If you want to continue this journey to understand how not everything is as bad as you may be thinking, listen to the next bonus episode, available in few days where I'll be explaining more about money. If you enjoyed this episode of Astra Podcast, Beyond Possibilities, consider rating the show and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Also check out our YouTube channel under the name Beyond Possibilities. 
Become a patron to see some behind the scenes on how I make the show, to have access to ad-free episodes, and at the same time to support the show. Visit astrapodcast.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and thank you for existing. <laughs>